Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. on you. Hello, everybody. This is Word of Fire Ministry, and this is uh, Minister Calvin Myers. Today, if you got the text, we are dealing with the mantle of change. We're going to go into some things about the mantle of change. There's two things that's happening. It's a mantle, but it brings about change. And so before we go into that, I just want to play a song right here, because when God is changing people, he's changing your spirit. Sometimes things around you may change. Churches may change. People may change. Husband and wives may change. Kids may change. Jobs may change. Your career may change. Your money may change. You know, they say your money gets funny sometimes. But we're going to talk about your spiritual man being changed. Because in order for God to do a change on the outward part of you, he has to work in within you. And so God's faithful and he's just. We just want to open up in prayer. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, God, asking that you would just move by your spirit, have your way, bring back to memory every word, every revelation, every insight, every scripture. Speak to the hearts of men as they tune in and hear what you're saying, that you might build up your believers. We pray, God, that everybody would get blessed and encouraged, enlightened, strengthened, and that you would just continue to have your way on this radio station and that no weapon that would be formed against us would prosper, and we pray that you will work things after your own counsel of your own will. So we thank you for being here today. We went away and we did a Black Rock trip with the men uh, about two weeks ago. We had a fabulous time in Black Rock Christian Retreat. It was awesome. God moved there, and so we're back now in Philly doing some other things here. And we just want you to tune in. Before we get it started, I want you to listen to uh, Hillary Scott. She has an anointed song out that really just messes, it just ministers to me when I hear it. I love it. It's called Thy Will, and it's by Hillary Scott. Hillary Scott comes on a um, radio station called, um, uh, what is the radio station called again? I forgot the name of the radio station. <laughs> It's called the, um, I can't remember the radio station, folks. I've got to pray for Brother Calvin right now. And uh, 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 K-Love, that's the name of it, K-Love. It comes on. It's a, it's an awesome station. It really encourages and builds up a lot of people. And, and so that's one of the few radio stations that I like to listen to. It comes on FM 106.9, and it has some awesome songs. And so I like worship songs because worship songs minister to me. Sometimes you can have your, you got praise, you got worship, you have adoration. And sometimes you just want to worship God because the Bible said that 
the true believers got to worship God in spirit and in truth. So let's hear Hillary Scott. Let's hear the song that she has right here for us. It's called Thy Will by Hillary Scott, okay? Look her up when you get a chance. And then after this, we're going to go right into the word of God.
Amen. Those are one of the songs that just inspires me a lot, uh, knowing that God sees and he hears you. And when you pray to God, because a lot of time people goes up to God, and when we praying in our secret chamber, we're praying to God for various types of things and some of the things that make the most difference that we should be praying for. We don't find ourselves praying for those things that's more important. And we ask it for things instead of asking for God to change us. One of the things we learned that the Bible said, man, life consisted not in the abundance of things that he or she possesses. So God want to change us. He doesn't mind giving us things, but he wants you. And he don't want the things to have us. And so that's one of the songs that really just inspires me a lot when I hear it. Because when we come before God, I'm always asking God to fix me, Lord. I don't pray against people, and I love praying for people. But you better believe I'm going to God and asking God to change me, change my character, make it better, change my thinking. You see, I learned the secret a long time ago. People talk about being real, but they want you to be real with them and tell you things. But everybody can't handle your story. You take it to the Lord and let him fix you up. Because folks find out your story, the only thing they want to do is gossip about you and talk about you. And years later, they still want to bring that up, and the devil used that as a tool. But when you take it to God, he fix you, and he mend your spirit again. So the Bible tells us that many are the fiction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all, not some, all. So he's a God that changes things. He's a changer, and he brings about a change. Folks, let me tell you something. You better believe anytime God shows up, something is about to change. It's about to change. And so this is why you want to make sure that you get the mantle of change. One of the things I want to bring out to you, I want to share with you about how do we make a change. First, the change has to come from within us. If there's ever going to be a mantle of change, God has to change us. He got to change us first, because if he don't change us, there will never be a change on the outward side. Uh, a lot of times people want God to change their spouse. He, they want God to change the, the church. They want God to change even the pastor. But God is looking to change you. <laughs> He's going to start with you first. And so we want to talk about a great uh, chapter that was written many years ago. And this chapter was written by a man of God who God said that he was a man after my own heart. How do you become a man after God's own heart? That's special. When God bragged and said he was a man after my own heart, he's talking. He's trying to teach you something. And so when you read about this man named David, he was a king. He was a king that God loved David. But David had faults and he made mistakes in other areas of his life. But David understood every time he missed God, someone died. People talk about the adultery of David. But how many of you know that David missed God three times? Three times he missed God. And every time King David missed God, before he got to the point of the adultery point, people died when David missed God. Now, let's talk about when he missed God the first time. The first time David missed God, David decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant back on an ox. He brought it back on an ox. 
And when he brought it back on the ox, if you know your word of God, the Levites carried the ark of God. That's dealing with First Chronicles chapter 15. David learned the lesson that nobody's supposed to bring back the ark of God except for the Levites. For it was given unto them and their children forever to bring back that ark. God had a plan to bring back the ark, how the ark supposed to be carried since Moses' days and time. He had established a way to carry that ark. David decided to bring it back. It was a great ideal because during the time of King Saul, they didn't ask for the ark of the covenant. Saul was the one who backslid against God. And he took that ark and set it somewhere else. He wanted no parts of that ark because God had rejected him as king. But when David got back into position, he wanted God to be near him. He wanted God's power and his presence to be with him. So he went to his people. He said, if it seems good to you, let us bring back the ark of God. They said, yeah, that's a good plan. So they decided to get an ox cart. They bring him back. And as the ox got to the point of the thrusting floor, the ox stumbled for the Lord called it to stumble. And a guy by the name of Uzzah, whose name means strength, he tried to put his hand, put his hand on the ark to touch it, and he died right there. And David became afraid of God that day because God had made a breach to come across uh, Israel. And he took that thing, and they got that thing and sent it to a man named Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom. And he sent that ark to Obed-Edom's house until he figured out a way to bring it back in. And they told David, they said, none are supposed to touch the ark of the Lord or carry it except for the Levite. So he missed God that first time, and people died. Uzzah died. The second time David missed God was when David decided to number Israel. Now, to number the people meant that you're trusting in the power of men. There's a Bible that said, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we shall remember the name of the Lord our God. David knew better to number the people because he was no longer relying on God. He was looking at the might of men because he was a king. He realized that God has established his kingdom and things were doing well. He was the king now. He was in there for a while. And so what he decided to do was number the mighty men of Israel. Ahab tried to tell him, I'm sorry, Joab told him don't do it, but he decided he was going to do it anyway. And when he did that, God judged him again. And when he numbered the men, the mighty men of God, of Israel, who drew the sword and the chariots and the horsemen and the foot soldiers, God said, I'm going to have to cut the men down because you trusted in numbers. And hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of thousands of men died because David numbered the men, meaning that he was no longer trusted in leaning on God's power to deliver him. He was trusted in the might of men. So God killed the men out. He sent the angel, and the angel slew a lot of the men, and they died. And to David was humble, and he asked the Lord to forgive him for what he did. Now, the third time David missed God was when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Now, everybody know the story of Bathsheba. They talk about David committing adultery. But the ugliness of it all was Uriah the Hittite. This man was married to Bathsheba. She was a fine mamma jamma, as they say. And he 
was away in the military battlefield, and David saw his wife naked taking a shower. And as he saw her being naked, he sent his servant to bring her over and had dinner with her, and then he lied with her, and he had a relationship with her for a while. And as this thing continued on, a child was conceived out of this thing. And so David called for Uriah the Hittite to come back to Israel, had dinner with the man, and told the man to go down here and sleep with his wife and take a day off. He was trying to cover it up. But at that night when Uriah left from his house, his chamber, David's chamber, the king's chamber, he slept at the door with the men. He never went home. The next morning, it was told David he never went home. David asked Uriah the Hittite, why didn't you go home and sleep with your wife so he could cover up his sin? Uriah said, how can I go and sleep with my wife when my lord, the king's men, is out there on the battlefield? He was a loyal soldier. Soldier, He was very loyal. So what David decided to do was David said, okay, this is what we're going to do about this. He realized he had a big problem that he had to deal with right away. He wrote a letter telling Uriah the Hittite, sent it by his hand to Joab, his captain, and he said to this guy, uh, <clears throat> uh, he said to him, he said, listen, this is what we're going to do. Um, let's uh, take Uriah and put him with, like, the Navy SEALs guy, the men of bother. And in the middle of the battle, back up off of him so he can die. And, man, he did that. Joab read it. He put Uriah out there, and he died. Sent back word to David. Joab, Uriah the Hittite is dead. David went and married her. Bad God. He, well, let's, a little bit further to hide ahead of myself. After he did that, he thought he had gotten away with it. But God sent Nathan, the prophet, to him. Nathan gave him a parable, you know. The parable is always an interesting thing. They call a parable a dark saying in the Old Testament. Also, a parable is an earthly saying with a heavenly meaning. Nathan comes before David, and he said, there once was a rich man that had plenty of sheep. And there once was a poor man who only had one little lamb that raised up with him. He said, and the traveling man came from a far country to see this rich man. And the rich man, instead of grabbing a sheep from all his cattle, he took that one little lamb that that little lamb had, and he killed it for dinner to give to the stranger that was coming. David was angry, righteous indignation, or Self-righteous indignation rose up in him. He said, the man that did this thing should surely die. Now, folks, you got to remember, the king's job in those days was to judge problems of the kingdom and come to a conclusion in order to bring about justice in the manner. When David said that, the man that did this should surely die, Nathan said, you are the man. He said, thus saith the Lord, I gave you. Saul, your king, master's wives, and I gave you plenty of wives. And if that wasn't enough, I would have given you more wives, David. He said, but you took Uriah the Hittite, and you had him killed by the sword of the enemy. 
He said, and when you did this, you gave God's enemy reason to complain about what you did. The demonic world knew about it. And they said, oh, we got something good on David. Now, listen, but we talk about the adultery, and that was wrong. But what was so ugly about this thing, he sent the man hit letter in his own hand to give it to the captain. The man didn't even know he was taking home, taking back to Joab, the captain, a hit letter that will get him killed. So this is what happened. God said, David said, I've sinned against the Lord. He said, the Lord also has taken away your sin. But he told David, but because you've done this, the sword would never depart from your house. The sword, not an adultery spirit, but the sword would never depart from your house. Why the sword? Because you used the sword to kill another man. Now the sword will work against your family to kill our people in your family. Remember what Jesus said inside the garden of Gethsemane to Peter? He said, put away your sword. They that live by the sword to also die by the sword. So that sword went through David's family like crazy. But after David had realized what he'd done, this is the prayer that he uttered up in Psalm chapter 51. Because we're dealing with the topic is the mantle of change. Mantle of change. And there are some of you out there, God is giving you a mantle of change. But what he wants you to do first, he wants you to clean your own heart first. Because the change is going to come about through you. But before it comes through you, he got to work a change in you. And in order to work a change in you, it starts with you coming to God, having a repentant heart. The Bible said that a broken spirit and a contrite heart, God will not despise. So let's listen to what David said in this classical Psalm 51. And he said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercy. Blot out my transgression. Wash me through me, thoroughly, for my iniquity, uh, from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. For I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sins is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you mightest be justified when you speakest and clear when you judgest. For behold, David said, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And then he said, Behold, you desire truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part you shall make me to know wisdom. I love this prayer. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. And make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. So David is crying out to God for a change. David brought about a change. The more God disciplined David, he always faced his discipline head on. He didn't make excuses. He didn't point his finger. But he went forth before the Lord and confessed that thing. David is an icon when it comes to repentance. Man, David knew how to repent. For those of you who don't know, his uh, first king, Saul, the problem that got him in trouble was he would not repent. Saul didn't have a problem with women. He had a pride problem. There are various problems that people deal with. I'm going to tell you something. The Bible said pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Many of us know the great Tiger Wood as the golfer 
He was a great golfer, broke records. He represented his people in, in a unique way, but he had a lot of pride about him. My heart go out to him. Those of you who are out there, pray for Tiger Woods. Pray for him. He had a great deal of pride that I observed about this young man that he carried about himself. He was with excellence and dignity, and he prayed to win. Losing was not an option. But when he started going through different stages of his life, he started going on a down spiral, and he's taking a journey that is going to break him all the way down. And so when I saw him on the news today, and my heart just went out for him, I said, God, have mercy on him. His father died, and then he began to go through other problems in his life, and he never could get back to that glory stage he once had. And I believe that as long as there's still pride there, he's going to continue to go down. The Bible said that a man's pride will bring him low. So anybody out there that you are, uh, you, you got a problem with pride, you are on your way down. Folks, let me tell you something. God don't want us to have pride. He wants us to stay humble as possible. Be meek and be humble. The Bible said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I want to deal with another character here, and his name is called Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is not a king. He is a prophet. Isaiah was a bad boy. They call him the eagle-eyed prophet because he saw so far into the future. But he, too, went through an experiment, experience when he saw the Lord, and God was dealing with him. And the first thing, listen, when you first see God, the first thing you're going to recognize is that you're not in a righteous place that you think you are. <laughs> I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 1 down to probably uh, verse 7, 8. Let's go down to 8. 1 to 8. In the year King Uzziah died, that was his uncle. He was the king. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And his train, that means his skirt, filled it, the temple. And above it stood the serpent. Each had six wings. With, with two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he did fly. And they cried out one unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, the serpent names mean, the word serpent means burning one. The serpent is the highest ranking of angels that it is. It's a serpent. It don't get no higher than that. Six wings, two to cover their feet, two to cover their face, two they fly, and they just cry out, holy, holy, holy. That's all they do is cry out holiness unto the Lord. Isaiah is looking at this, and God's glory is filling up the temple. And listen what he says. And the post of the door, verse 4, moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. One of the things that they say about God's presence when he shows up strong is a thick smoke that comes in there. And it's thick when he comes in there. Then said I, listen to Isaiah, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. He had a lip problem. It could have been gossip, could have been backbiting, it could have been slander. 
Now, don't ever think because you're a prophet that you don't have a problem either. And his problem was his mouth. He couldn't contain his mouth while he opened his mouth with gossiping. And so the Bible tells us that whispers separate the chiefs of friends. And when you got a, you are the mouthpiece for God as a prophet, you can't say everything that you see and everything that God is saying to you and everything that you hear because you got to be able to control your tongue. The Bible said that the tongue is an unruly thing. Who can tame it? It can be out of control. It said it sets the world on fire. So you got gossiping, you got backbiting, you got slander, and you got whisper that separates the chiefs of friends. All of this comes from the same thing. A loose lips, they say, same ships, if you hear what I'm saying. So your word, the Bible said that your words are so powerful to the point that it says, insomuch death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that live by it, and they that love it, I'm sorry, to eat of the fruit thereof. Your words have great power. Jesus said, for whatsoever you say and you believe it, it shall be done unto you. Your words means a lot. It carries weight. So you got to be careful what you say. But let's back up. There is something that is connected to your mouth and your tongue. It goes deeper than that. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the spirit, the mouth speaketh. Let me say it in terms that you can understand it. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Jesus said what goes into a man is not what defiles a man. He said because it goes down through the drought and it comes out through his bowels. He said but what has come out of a man, this is what defiles him. Lying, adultery, hatred, bitterness, cussing, all these things are what defiles a man is what's inside of his spirit. So Isaiah said, I have a mouth problem here. And I've seen the Lord of hosts. Verse 6, then flew one of the serpents unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken off with a, taken with the tongues from off of the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sins is purged. And also, now once his sin was purged, do you notice God didn't pick the the coal on his head. He didn't put it on his feet. He put it on his tongue, his mouth, because God was going to use this man's mouth to prophesy more about the Messiah than any other prophet that ever lived. Isaiah prophesied about the Messiah, Yeshua, Muhammad. He tells us where he will be born. He tells us his name will be called Emmanuel. He tells us how he will have the wisdom in Isaiah uh, chapter uh, 11. He tells us that he will be a man of sorrow in Isaiah 51. He tells us all these stories about him. He will go through trials and tribulation. He talks about Isaiah 61, say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. In fact, Jesus opened up the word and started from Isaiah 61. He kicks off his ministry from there. My God, this is awesome. He tells us all the way in the future that one day the lion will lay next to the lamb. So he tells us all this information about what is to come. Now let's listen to what God said. Once God purged your mouth, think about this. We, talk of, we talked about David and the adultery and the pride that David had, but Isaiah had a gossip and he had a loose lip part that sank ships. 
So God purges his mouth. See, different categories of sin. This is why we can never get up to a point where we start measuring up who got the greatest sin. All have sinned, not some have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. Listen, folks, if you haven't sinned, then we need to be worshiping you. The angels need to be coming down calling you holy, but you ain't holy. Your flesh is not saved. Folks, let me tell you something. There's a lot of self-righteous folks out there who believe their flesh is saved. Oh, they believe it. They truly believe their flesh is saved. Let me bring you on a rain check right now while you still thinking that other people got sin and you don't. If you don't wash your flesh up in three weeks, I promise you it will sink. You can bank on that. Take that to the bank. And if your flesh can sink, it will sin. When you want to learn about your flesh, you go to the book of, uh, I think it was Galatians, chapter 5, 17. It talks about the works of the flesh. There's nothing holy about your flesh. Your flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And the Bible says these two are contrary one to another. They don't agree. You're like Esau and Jacob. One is going to kill the other one if they get an opportunity. They fight and war, do warfare against one another. Dumb boys been warned and since they was in their mother's womb. There was a battle in Samustra. Isaac asked the Lord, what is going on? God said there are two nations inside of her womb. He said the one is going to fight against the other, but the elder should serve the younger. That's the story of Esau and Jacob. But the flesh is the same way. They're always going at it. So you got to go on fast and consecrate yourself. Discipline your flesh. So after God dealt with Isaiah's tongue, his mouth, he wanted to get that underneath control, then here comes God again. Verse 8, also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, he's ready to go, y'all, here am I. Send me. Listen, God can't send you until he gets control of your tongue, too. Amen? It's one thing to get your flesh underneath control. It's another thing to get your ego and your pride underneath control. But it's another thing to get your tongue underneath control. God got to have people who know how to keep their mouth shut. One of the great stories about King David was this. They say he behaved himself quietly. Wisely, rather. He behaved himself wisely around King Saul when he was younger. That meant he behaved himself as an old man, like an old man. Today, when we was at the Dunkin' Donuts earlier today with the men, we had a friend of mine who came out whose name was called James. James may be 70-some years old, older man, loves the Lord. He's Jamaican of the Jamaican descend, descendant, um, descent. And he was quiet the whole time while other men were talking. And we said, Mr. James, do you want to say anything? He said, no, no, I'm all right. I'm just listening. Listen, y'all, a quiet and meek spirit is precious in the eyes of the Lord. God gave you two ears and one mouth. Two ears so you can listen twice as much. One mouth so you can speak when it's time to speak. The Bible talks about letting every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. 
because the wrath of men works not the righteousness of God. So God didn't loose his tongue. He dealt with him in this area. And so now he's sending him on his mandate. Let's look at Isaiah verse chapter 6, verse 9. And he said, go tell this people, hear you indeed, but understand not. See you indeed, but perceive not. And make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart. And do what? And convert and be healed. We're talking about the mantle of change. Is there anyone else who want to say anything or add anything to it? Come on in, just push star eight, and we want to hear what you got to say about that. There are some more things I want to read and share with you, but I'm opening up the format for anybody to call in. It doesn't matter who you are, whatever you might want to ask or just add into it, just call on in. We're here for you. We enjoy hearing your input. So if there anybody there out there, there, call us, someone who want to just add, just come on in, just put that star eight, and you'll be free. Your phone will be on mute, and you can say whatever you have to say or just add to it or any question you may want to ask. <laughs> well, yes, sir. I would, well, one thing, this is a very excellent, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's, it's what I needed because just, having a conversation, and I'm, I'm really noticing the devil is totally a liar. Always you're going to be tested. I have no clue why, but I get it, because we're trying to become more like Jesus. And every time you try, there's always an obstacle. That's why you got to be able to jump over every obstacle and have faith as small as a mustard seed, no matter what the heck goes through your mind. I mean, I was going through it, just arguing with, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? And then I heard, I switched back to the other line, said, you know what? And then you said something. I said, whoa, are you kidding me right now? And so I switched back to the other line. I said, hey, uh-uh, I got to go. I'm being <laughs> fed. I'm being fed. And it's like, it just, she keep on going. I'm like, did you hear it? I did be a minister to you right now. I mean, why don't you just call in? Don't run. And that's what people do. They don't want to hear because when you said pride, that's a that's a major factor. People get prideful because of the fact that of all types of things. But when you get prideful to the point that you're too good or you feel as though you know too much or you act like you don't want to hear anything, of the Lord, that is a major, major problem. Because if you don't saturate your spirit with something different than unholiness, and you're getting it on the daggone how you say uh, Pastor Smith says, the hell of vision, <laughs> if you ain't getting it on that, you daggone sure enough can get it in the streets. And one thing um, people definitely keep... Um, my buddy self are known for on point entertainment and um all the family in prayer because <sighs> um Tyree Tamir passed away just last night, thirteen years of age, shot nine times. Mm. I don't know I don't know what I really don't know 
I don't know what's going on out here in these streets, but these kids are getting more than violent. They're getting disastrous. If you want to shoot somebody nine times, this ain't no thing you trying to act like you daggone 50 cent all of a sudden. Like, yeah, I got shot nine times. I survived. Come on, man. These people are shooting with big guns. That means big holes in a small body. Why? Then I noticed mm. some crazy things. I was just trying to come home last night, and I, and I couldn't understand why everything was happening until, you know, I found out that he passed away. But I missed one bus. I was like, are you kidding me? Then it was a, there was a, what do you call it, a, the holiday schedule. And then I'm looking, I'm waiting on the bus at Broaden Alley. Wait. I hear this young boy, and, you know, I'm a fighter. I always love to fight. I, you know, I always stay on my guard. But something to say, keep still. Don't move. I'm on my phone. I hear this boy like, yeah, I know Ramadan's over and this, and the other. Whatever he said, something about, something I don't know. But some girl was saying something about this young brother who just got out of a cop car. And he said, if he got out of a cop car, he'd snitch. Young boy was like, yeah, who said that? This, and the other. Started getting crazy. Now, I felt him walk up on me. I kept my head straight because I know he was a little, I, I, you know, you peep him real quick. You turn around, you see, okay, he's a little skinny young boy. He all riled up. But he just kept on talking all this stuff out of his mouth. Like, yeah, who won it? This and the other. So then he was going at the girl. Did you said that? This and, that? and he said, yeah, what, what? You know, they got this new thing like stamp that. Yeah, stamp that. I'm right here, stamp that. I'm like, what? So this young boy. What at the girl, the other brothers was right there, like, oh, hey, man, hold up, you don't do that. Like, come on, you. <laughs> Fall back. He didn't care. He said, what? What you want to do? So he went right after all of them. So I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm sitting here in this chair. I might get shot. But I kept it cool. I still, I said, you know what? I got faith. I ain't worried about nothing. I'm covered. I ain't going, now, you do, <laughs> you do got to have a common sense measure in there. Like, if a gun pulled out, you don't sit there and sit there like, oh, the boys is going to fly by me. Come on now. Don't don't get that type of attitude. You know, walk by. But don't show no fear. And I noticed when he saw me still on my phone, he just passed me by. Like, oh, he ain't, in, he ain't involved. But then he started talking to these young boys. What they did, they started rolling on them. Busting them up real bad. Started picking them up, throwing them against the wall. I got up and walked away. And then they finally stopped. And then, you know, he walked off. But it comes to the point where if we are not saturated, somebody's going to fall into a mistake. And the mistake is the devil's neighborhood. We do not want to walk and be acquainted with the devil's program because he is definitely trying to kill every child and every human being out here in this world. Straight up. Crazy. Thank you, God man. for you. Thank God for y'all, man. Keep it going. Amen. Uh, one of the things I want to share something else with you guys uh, about what God does uh, when He is dealing with us. Um, so here we're going to go to the book of Luke. Now Luke is a book that deals with. Uh, uh, Luke deals basically uh, with the uh, parables. This is the book of parables. When you read the book of Luke, it deals with a lot of 
here we want to share another parable with you that Jesus shares with us. Um, here we have two men. We leave read for the book of Luke, chapter 18. We're going to look at parable 9. It's about two men. So Christ began to pull back the veil, and he can hear what people are praying to the Lord. Now, he's the son of God because Peter said, Lord thy God knoweth all things. And so now he's going to give us a lesson of what people pray like in this secret chamber. Now, there was a tent that people would go into, and they would pray. Now, here is the prayer. Nobody liked the Republicans, okay? And it was a Pharisee, and it was a publican. And listen to what it said in verse 9. It said, and he spake this parable unto certain with trust in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Now, Jesus is talking to the self-righteous people that despise other people. I love this story because it's quite interesting. Verse 10 said, two men went up into the temple and prayed, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. Now, the publican is a tax collector. The Pharisees is the teachers of the law. They taught people the laws at the synagogue. They're supposed to be men of hierarchy standards. They was one that they called rabbi, rabbi, which means master, master. So they took a lot of joy in being called by their titles. They knew a lot about God's word. How many of y'all know the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life? So it was a Pharisee that was praying and a tax collector. Now, please note, nobody likes tax collectors because if you owe the tax, they wasn't like the IRS. Listen, folks, you owe them, they take your land, your house. It sounds like the IRS, but they went further. They would take your children until that debt was paid. And some of them would take your cow, your ox, whatever it is. It doesn't matter if that was the only thing you had. You owe the tax, you're going to pay the piper. So people hated them. And not only that, they were thieves. They would take more than what they were supposed to take. So the Pharisees stood and prayed, verse 11, thus. Now, here's the Pharisee and the tax collector. They're going into two different tents to pray. This is how they're praying within their spirit. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself and said, God, I thank you that I'm not as other men or exhortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. He saw him going over there. This tax collector, I'm not even like him. He's a thief. I fast twice in a week. I give my tithing of all that I possess. Outwardly, it seemed like he had it together. Sounds like the seven churches, don't it? One of the <laughs> Oh, man. Let's read on. Verse 13. And the publican standing afar off would not he would not lift up so much as his eyes unto the heavens, but he smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Sounds almost like Psalm 51, doesn't it? I tell you, here is Jesus talking again. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. God is telling us, when we come before him, don't come to God talk about how righteous you are, what all you do in the church, what all you accomplish in outside. 
and how other people need to get themselves together. You go to God for your own self. You check your heart. You said, search your heart. You tell God, search me, oh God, and try my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked ways within me and lead me to the path of everlasting. Because God wants us to make sure that we come right with him. You can't pray for someone else until you first get oneself together. But this is for the self-righteous people. Now, here's another thing that God is always telling us because he never wanted us to be self-righteous, folks. Listen, the people who demanded to kill Jesus were self-righteous folks. They hated Jesus with a passion. The Bible says they hated him without a call. He was everything they were supposed to be. The scriptures say he made himself, Jesus that is, of no reputation. And he took on the form of a man. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they was the one who was all decked up, looking important, and wouldn't even shake your hand if you held your hand out to them. They were self-righteous. Are you like that? Have it gotten to the point that you heard about people's sin that they've done in the past? Notice I said in the past. You don't know if they practice in that thing now. But you see them coming, you won't even bother with them. You won't even say nothing to them. You still criticize them, saying that. You're still putting them in that category what they did a while ago. You got to get it right with God. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The Bible says, humble yourself before the Lord, the mighty hand of God, that he might in due time exalt you. Nobody can work with the spirit of pride and self-righteousness. You know, you want to stay away from that sister or that brother, you know, because you don't know them like I know them. You don't know them. When you read the book of Jeremiah, he said the heart is deceitful, which is the spirit, above all things, and desperately wicked. And God said, who can know it? Nobody knows it. But he said, I, the Lord, searches the heart, even the reins of the heart. That word range means the intention of his motivation, why they're doing what they're doing. And this is how God judges us. We cannot keep people in a bottle from their past. Both let those people go. Because the way you judge them is the way God is going to judge you too. You had no mercy on them, he will have no mercy on you. The Bible said, if we can, how can we say that we love God? whom we have not seen, and we don't love our brother whom we have seen, it don't work like that. The scripture says, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause is in danger of judging. When I heard he did this in the past, because I just ain't got time for foolishness, and I don't like him. You are a phony if you don't get yourself together. You need to check yourself, as they say, before you wreck yourself. These are the way that God is cutting into our hearts to develop us as better people because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's not about the scriptures that we know. It's about how much we care for other people. I want to read something else to you. Christ is teaching repentance, the same book of Luke again, chapter 13. And listen, and there was a presence at that season, some that told him, which is Jesus, of the Galileans, 
whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. Now, these people were doing some sacrifice and do some witchcraft or whatever it was. Pilate heard about it. He mingled their blood in with the sacrifice. He killed them all, in other words, all right? Wiped them out. Mingled their blood in with the sacrifice. And Jesus answered and said unto the people. They were talking this to Jesus. And Jesus, this is Jesus' response to that. Suppose you that the, these Galileans were the sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such a thing. I tell you no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And of those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, do you think they were sinners above all men that dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but except you all repent, you shall all likewise perish. And listen to what he said. He gives them a parable. And he spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in the, his vineyard, came and sought for fruit thereon, and he found none. There was no fruit on it. The fig tree, tree is a, a tree that produces figs, and anybody that eats figs, figs are very sweet. I remember as a little boy, I ate so many figs that my tongue got sore. I was being greedy down in Savannah, Georgia. I loved to meet some figs. And listen to what he said in verse, um, verse seven. Then he said unto, then said he unto his dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I came seeking fruits on the fig tree, and I found none. Cut it down. Why cometh it to the ground, and let it alone this year also, till I should dig about it and dig it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that, you should cut it all the way down. He, in other words, he's saying cut it down and dig around it and see if it's going to bear some fruit. God got to cut us down sometime to see if we can bear fruit because sometimes we're not bearing the fruits that we should bear. And if we're not, he prunes us. Ladies, you know when you get your hair and you want it to grow, you cut the ends of the hair because that hair sort of splits, and so you prune it by cutting the tip of it so it can continue to stand off a little bit. Now, I'm not a lady, of course, you know that, but I've heard the stories of ladies talking about how they would allow their hair to grow. I have daughters, and I know about how hairs have to grow in order to make it stretch out a little bit further. Um, so sometimes God has to cut us and dig around us and chasing us so that we can bring forth some fruits. God demands the fruits out of our lives, that our fruits may be able to manifest his goodness, his mercy. Now, this is the mantle of change that God is bringing about, because before he can take you up here, he got to deal with you down here. He deals with your heart in such a unique way. Because he's shaping and molding you. Can God trust you like he trusted Job? He said Job was a man that maintained his integrity, his moral uprightness. That's what integrity is. A just man. God could trust Job to go through a test, knowing that Job will pass the test. Folks, can God depend on you if he allowed you to go through a test? Would you mumble and grumble and complain about the Lord, or would you go through the test?
death. The Bible said, many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And he will deliver you from whatever circumstances that you may go through. If there anyone who want to call in, just put star eight, and we want to hear what you got to say. Anybody out there, uh, if you have something you want to add to it or just share something, we welcome you, and we want to hear what's on your heart. Um, this is what we do. This is the Word of Life, Word of Fire. I'm sorry, Word of Fire ministry. When we talk about what God wants to do in the hearts of men, we deal with many topics. We hear every other Tuesday, every other Tuesday. This is what we do. So let's look at this right here. If you have your Bible, let's go to Galatians chapter 5, a familiar passage. And we want to look at verse 22. Coming from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 22. What type of fruit do God want us to bear? Now, there are fruits that you got to produce in your life. And then there are fruits of the Spirit that God want to produce through you. And in Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22, it said, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Do you love people? Joy. Are you joyful? Peace. Do you bring about peace or do you bring about destruction and confusion? Long-suffering. Are you long-suffering or are you impatient? I'm cutting them off. Get on my nerves. I don't want to bother them. Gentleness. Are you gentle or are you rough with people? What do you mean? Who told you that? I ain't trying to hear that. Listen, what type of character are you? Goodness. Faith. Meekness, temperance. You ready to slap somebody in their mouth? They say something wrong. <laughs> against such there is no law. There is no law against someone that had these fruits. But folks, if you go up to five, main chapter. Let's back up to verse nineteen. Let me show you what's in the works of the flesh. You see, earlier we established that your flesh is not saved. Listen to what's in your flesh. Now, in the works of the flesh, verse 19, are manifested. Go back up to 19, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Lascivious means uncontrollable lust. Idolatry, when you worship other things, witchcraft. Witchcraft could be the physical witchcraft, or it could be controlling other people, like to control other. When you come into the scene, you want to tell everybody where to go at, where to sit, how to do things. You just take over, controlling. And if you look up drugs, if you're dealing with drugs, you look up drugs, drug deals with sorcery, and that sorcery is dealing with witchcraft. And another form of witchcraft, the Bible says rebellion, stubbornness and rebelliousness, is as the spirit of witchcraft. Are you rebellious against leadership? Are you rebellious against authority? Stubbornness and rebellion is as the spirit of witchcraft. Hatred, I can't stand that person. Variance, emulation. That word emulation means division, wrath. I'm sorry, emulation deals with jealousy. Wrath, strife, 
sedition. Now, sedition deals with division, bringing division, heresy, envying, jealous of somebody else. You envy them because what they got, why they got to have all that? I don't like them. Why you don't like them? I don't know. I just don't like it. Something about them I don't like. That's the spirit. You can't allow that spirit to tell you not to like somebody else and they're your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You got to check yourself. The Bible said, let every man take heed how he hears it. Every time you hear something in your head does not mean that it's God, and it does not mean it is your thought. The Bible says, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. You ever hear people say, I don't like the bull for whatever reason? You got a problem. They ain't got nothing to do with people. You need to check yourself because you've opened yourself up to the enemy, and he will ride you like he riding a horse. Giddy up, baby. He will ride you to the end and to your destruction. You got to check yourself. When you get upset when other people go around, come around you, you need to check yourself. You don't have a problem. Your ego. Because when you get around people, you should be willing to love people, not hate on people. And listen to this one. Envying, murders. The Bible says whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause is in danger of Murder, that's a murder spirit, a jealous spirit. Drunkenness, uh-oh. You drink a little toddy at the party. You have a little wine and spirits. 70% spirits. 80% spirits. 100% spirits. Mad dog 2020. <laughs> Raveling, arguing and all that stuff. And such life which I tell you before, as I have, what he said, also told you in time past, that they which do such things should not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, folks, all of this is in your flesh. If you think your flesh is saved, you drink some Mad Dog 2020. You're going to find out how saved you really was. Your flesh is not saved. When God saved, he saved your soul. He saved your soul. He sanctified your spirit. He set you apart for his good use. But your flesh has never been saved, and it's not going to get saved. You get what I'm saying? So we might as well put on the garment of righteousness and walk this walk out. This is how the mantle of change is about you. Now, when you say the word mantle, the word mantle means garment. You look up garment. Garment means a cloth. It's something that you have. When you say change, change is to deal with other things. Now, check this out. When you're dealing with change, change means to make or become different. To make or to become different. To make you different or for you to become different. This is what the word change is all about. God want to give us a mantle of change. Because as he's changing the season, he's changing you. He's changing everything around you. The first thing he does, he'll change you as a person, an individual. Then he will change your name. Then he will change your outlook on your future. He's a changer. He changes things. And this is what God said when he needed. He said, behold, I will do a new thing. Because God is always moving forward. He's always moving forward. 
And this is how he moves. He moves in a way that he teaches us how to be better than we was in the beginning stage of our lives. I want to bring to your attention another thing about when God is, when you're checking yourself. Because God wants us always to examine ourselves. The Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be condemned with the world. Now listen to this thing. If you have your Bible, I want you to go with me to the book of 1 John. Not St. John, but let's go to 1 John. All the way near Revelation in the back. These are the things that we want to share with you because a lot of times we think that we got it all together. We are all a working progress, a process. God is working on us. He's fixing us. He's changing us. He's making us better because none of us have arrived. And these are the things, the scripture that would keep your feet on the ground. I'm reading from 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. Listen to what John said. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sins, look out. Self-righteousness might get you. We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, ah, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, I don't sin. Oh, you sin. You may sin less, but you sin. If we say that we have not sinned it, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Folks, let me tell you something. God cannot lie. Men lie, but God is not lying. So we all got a work in progress in all of ourselves that God is working in us. And, and I love it when God works on me because he points out the things that I need to do. I'm not perfect, but I need the word of God to chasten and clean me up and fix me up. I am a work in progress in God's eyes, and I don't mind it because every time I see my error in my ways, I realize that I got to continue to come up higher. I don't want to be what I've seen. I've seen people who brag on how righteous they are. I try to tell them, there's nothing righteous about you. Your flesh lusts to do wrong. Your body craves to disobey God. Your body don't care about God. Your flesh never got saved, never did. You'd be surprised what you'd do. You would be surprised what you would do if God didn't fix you up. There are things that God want to work in you and through you, but you got to let him work it. Sometimes others, in a lot of cases, I realize that other people see your faults in yourself that you don't see. They can see it. And when they try to bring it to your attention, you may get angry and lash out at them. But they're trying to help you. So one of the things you want to learn is how to be able to embrace things when people are trying to talk to you. We have a caller that's in. Caller, come on in. Hey, man, how you guys doing? It's, hey, this is Brother Ron. 
How you guys doing? How are you, man? Amen, amen. I'm doing wonderful, man. The word is refreshing. The word is rich. The word is uplifting, man. I'm just so... That that scripture that you mentioned, that first John, you know, that really lets us all know. And that, and uh, I've had that discussion with a lot of saints. They really think that that's not them in that text. He's talking about all of us. And we say that we have not sinned, we make them lie. And then he says possessive. He says in the it's in the present. That Greek word is in the present. If we say that we have no sin, that's presently. That's presently. We all have sin. I mean, the fact, Paul said, the fact that I'm in this body, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then he said, I thank God for my Lord Jesus Christ who has delivered me. We're carrying around this body of death, this sin body. The fact that I'm in this body, I have a body of sin. I can never say that I'm, I don't, like you said, crave sin. This body wants to sin. This body desires to sin. And the flesh didn't get saved. But we do crucify the flesh daily, Paul said, if you do through the spirit. Mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. And that's through what we're doing now, through fellowshipping, through prayer, and through fasting, we die daily. But to say that you have no sin, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm a saint, I'm a saint, I'm a saint, I'm not a sinner. Well, in that, in that context, yes, we're not sinners in that we're not, we're not living in the world. But you do sin. You sit here and tell me that you don't sin. We make him a liar, the Bible says. And so that's what I love about that that text right there it keeps us humble. It keeps us, like you said, uh, trying to reach up higher and go deeper in God. Jesus Christ says, "Strive you to enter in at the straight gate." And Paul talked about uh, putting off the deeds of the body. Now, yes, I had this body of sin, and yes, I have the propensity to sin. But when we are crucified with Christ. We walk in the spirit, and that's the goal. Those that walk in the spirit shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, and that's the goal. The more and more we learn to walk in the spirit, like you said, you may, you sin less. Uh, the three P's of salvation, when you first get saved, Jesus Christ delivers us from the penalty of sin. The wrath of God is no longer on my head when I first get saved, okay? Then he fills me with his spirit. He gives me the earnest of the spirit. And now I'm being delivered from the power of sin. That's the second P. We're constantly being delivered from the power of sin. And the last P is one day when I'm glorified, I'll be delivered from the presence of sin. So he delivered me from the penalty of sin. He's delivering me constantly from the power of sin. And one day I'll be delivered from the presence of sin. But until that day, we're constantly being transformed into the image of Christ. Wow, that's some good stuff, uh, Brian. And that is really that's a good word. Uh, as God continue to develop us, I want to throw out a character. Maybe you can elaborate on some of these characters too. If I throw out a character like Sansom to most people, Sansom, everybody would say, "Oh, this is the guy that he was hard headed. He never could get it right. He kept on playing till he lost his eyes." And then I throw out another character named Saul. Now Saul was that great. He was the first king, but right. he battled not with the woman. He battled with his pride. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you look at the two different characters in the Bible, you can see where they went into their error. And so when you look at different things, in this, how would you measure this time up? When you think about Samson, what was Samson's problem that he battled with, Ron? Would you say that's the problem that he battled with? 
in his life the most. And his and Samson's life the most. You know the environment, the environment that he put himself in. You know what I mean? That environment. His his um. He was anointed. The spirit of God would come on him. But when you put yourself in certain environments where your flesh can thrive, you know what I mean. That's what I think. That's where he went wrong at. Just being around her. Speaking of Delilah, just being around her. You know what I mean? I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a Christian man. I'm I'm saved. I'm not married yet. I'm celibate. I've been divorced for five and a half years. I've been celibate for two and a half years. So that tells you, three of those years I was never. I wouldn't even think about being celibate. But I think that most of my failures and my faults came. My well, my failures. It came when I put myself in certain situations. When I came, when I was, you know, I would compromise. I would go out. Oh yeah, we can go out. We can hang out. Speaking of the, the two women I was dating when I first got divorced, oh, it's fine, you know what I mean? It's fine, you know, you can go out. But, you know, the Bible says a little leaven, leaven is the whole lump. So for him, I just think that environment of being, you know, laying next to her, you know what I mean? Just, just being next to her, it, it, it put him in a vulnerable situation. And I yeah. think that, you know what I mean? When you put yourself in a vulnerable situation, where you let down your guard, you go into it with good intentions. And I'm speaking experientially. I'm not speaking hypothetically. You know what I mean? I go, went into dating with good intentions. But the Bible says, Paul said, a little leaven, leaven is the whole lump. And he, he, he was a Nazarite. So he should have been more careful and more um, conscious of his consecration, like John the Baptist was. That's why John the Baptist, look what John the Baptist was. He was in the desert until his manifestation to the days of Israel. He knew when right. to move. You know what I mean? He was conscious right. of his, his environment. So Samson, you know, even though he was strong and the spirit of the Lord would come on him, it's just certain environments would, because of the, the frailty of his flesh, speaking of a woman, it would, it would come on, it would, it would, you know, you can't put yourself in those situations regardless, right. of, regardless of where you are in the Lord. You know what I mean? Right now, walking in the spirit, loving the Lord, I'm not going to, uh, you know, a woman take what you doing? Come watch a movie with me. No, no, I'm not watching a movie. I don't care what time of day it is. We're not watching a movie. I'm not coming to my. I'm not coming to your house, and you're not coming to my house. You know what I mean? Right. right. I'll come pick you up at church. You know, we can go out. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. That kind of stuff. I just think that his environment, with the, the situation and the circumstances that he put himself in. For any man, married, single, you can't put yourself in certain situations going and they're thinking, oh, I'm strong. You know what I mean? Right. Because my body, there's something wrong with a man if his body does not want to be with a woman. My body craves that, but I do crucify this flesh through the spirit, through fasting and prayer. Yeah. It was a saying about a man that said a long time ago, he said, I'm so strong in Jesus. Then demons can't take me down. You know what the devil said, Daddy? One devil, five foot three, with long hair and big hips. See that? One devil. Yep. <laughs> yep. Now, let's move on to Saul. Now, Saul doesn't have a woman problem. He's not a womanizer. He's the king. Tall. Right. Foot five. He's handsome. Very handsome. Yeah. First king, but his Very. problem is, Yep. He's insecure. 
what is his weakness? Because he battled a lot with uh, his pride. Where is it that he went wrong at? Where did Saul went wrong at Nick God at? Well, you know, that scripture you quoted, that's one of my favorite verses, man. It's, it's, uh, I think Samuel told him that stubbornness, uh, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as idolatry. Well, how is rebellion as in the sin, as the sin of witchcraft? Witchcraft is about control, like you said. So he wants to control his own destiny, even though he has the word of the Lord. He wants to do what he wants to do. And it says stubbornness is as idolatry. When you're stubborn, you're actually idolizing yourself. You're putting yourself above God, above the word of God, above the mission of God. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And he, got, and he got worse. That stubbornness is as idolatry. You're actually worshiping yourself when you do that. When you're stubborn, I'm going to do my own thing. You, it says it, it, as an idolatry, you're worshiping yourself. You're worshiping your opinion. You're worshiping what you want to do above the will of God. Get rid mm. of the Amalekites. Kill everything. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, no, I'm going to keep, keep a little bit. That, you know, I, I paid them. They went to war. You know what I mean? Rationalize it. They went to war with us, and, and you know, this is their reward. No, God didn't tell you give nobody no reward. He said get rid of everything. And then you lie on top of that. And say I got rid of everything. Sammy says, "What is this bleeding of the sheep's?" And he had a particular thing out for the Amalekites because remember the Amalekites attacked the Israelites when they first came out of bondage. Yeah. Remember yeah. they attacked them when they came out of bondage, and you don't attack God's children. God, remember no. Jesus Christ says, uh, "Woe unto them! It'd be better if they put a millstone around their neck than to offend one of these that believe in me." So God's children was at a vulnerable state when they first came out of the wilderness. They were just babes, really, speaking spiritually. And so at one time he said that the, the iniquity of the Amalekites is not yet full. It had to reach a certain point. So he had a particular mission, God, speaking of God, he had a particular um, judgment out for the Amalekites for doing that. When they did that, he already put judgment on them from that time forward when they, snuck, when they did a sneak attack on the Israelites. And so... Right. Saul, Saul is just really stubborn, you know, and he had, he had chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. And another thing with Saul is that it shows you the more and more, excuse me, the more and more rebellious you get, the worse you are. You know what I mean? It got to the point because you never heard nothing. You never heard no evil spirits uh, on him when he first did this, when he first started this stuff. This, start, this stuff started happening as he got worse. Hold that right there. Now, think about this, folks. For those of you who are out there listening in, think about this. This man, by him not listening to, like Ron just said, he opened himself up for an evil spirit. Man, let me tell you something. When God tells you something, you better be careful because you can open. You did it. Not God. Right. When you're not Amen. listening, you open yourself up to spirits to get assets of you. Envy, strife, murder. Some of this works for the flesh. Now, Saul wasn't like, that's him. He didn't have a problem with a woman, but his flesh wanted David dead and anybody that speak well of David. He wiped <laughs> out 73. Because one oh, yeah. Saul, yep. 
who's more faithful than he said, why did you give David the sword of Goliath? He said, we didn't know what was going on, King Saul. Who's yep. more faithful in your house than David? Saul looked at him and said, you're a dead man. I mean, what did you mean? <laughs> I mean, come on. His jealousy made him a murdering type of man. Instead of him wiping out the enemy of Israel, he's wiping out the priest. He was trying to kill David. Nobody could be around him. Sammy the prophet wouldn't even go around him no more. This thing got real ugly, folks. But I want to ask you something, Dr. Ron. I want you to uh, share with us. I'm going to give another illustration to someone who missed God. Jonah. Talk about Jonah. What do you do when people who purposely hear God give them a charge and tell them what to do, and they do opposite of what God tells them to do? What was Jonah weak? Break that down for us. His his main weakness was the Ninevites. It's the same for them. You know what I mean? He uh he didn't like them. Period. I mean, remember he's one of a lot of times people understand that he's one of the first first prophet, early prophets to Israel. Yeah. Not to Judah, to Israel, the Northern Kingdom. Jonah mm-hmm. prophesied in 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 uh what? I think maybe early 700, something like that, early 700, maybe 800, something like that. But Jonah was one of the early prophets of the northern kingdom. You know what I mean? And so he, right. had, a particular, he had a particular disdain for uh, Nineveh because he didn't like them. And see, Nineveh, the Ninevites, they were vicious. They were skin people alive. They were skinny. They would put, they would skin people, and they would put them in fire. They would put hooks in their nose. They would guide their eyes out. Eyes out. They would put hooks in their ears. The Ninevites were really, really the Assyrian. It's the Assyrian kingdom. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. So they were very, very vicious people. And so Jonah's whole premise was, just get rid of them. I know if I go up there, you know what I mean? You're going to scare them. Just get rid of them. You know what I mean? And, and you know something? <laughs> As Christians, you can, that can happen to you when you see how bad the world is, and you say, you know what, Lord, just look, man, just come get us, get us out of here. I ain't got time for these folks. But God loves them. God said, Jonah, there's people in there that don't know their left hand from their right hand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's children there. 120,000 people there in, in Nineveh at the time. Mm-hmm. And so his, his, his main failure was his, his disdain for the people the people of Assyria, you know what I mean? And it was a, it was vindictive because of what they did. And Assyria was wiping all kinds of kingdoms out. Because remember, it was God's tool to take the 12, I'm sorry, the 10 tribes, the northern 10 tribes. That was God's tool to take them out of them for their um, idolatry. But Jonah, his disdain for them, his hatred, Runs away from the calling of God, and God deals with them in ways that none of us want to be dealt with. Dealt with. Amen. Amen. That, that's interesting uh, because see, Samson disobeyed God, and at the end, he made reconciliation with the Lord when right. he lost his eyes. You see, Saul missed God, but at the end, he was still running in another direction. You yeah. see, Jonah, who was a prophet. He misses God and went right flat, bluntly told God, I'm not going. 
I'm not going right. Throw me overboard to this well. I'd rather die than do what God say to preach to those folks over there. People and Samson did I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Ryan. And, Go ahead. and Samson did not commit suicide, as people suppose. His intention was not, his intention was not to kill himself. He said, "Lord, revenge me on my enemies." In the process, he died. Suicide is you trying to kill yourself. He died in the process of avenging themselves on the Philistines. That's right. Sorry, sorry about that. No, no, you're good. You're all right, brother. Um, one of the things I just want to let everybody know is, folks, we don't want to get to the point that we don't want to see people get in right standards with God to the point we want God to judge them and kill them. He is merciful to the unrighteous. And when Moses saw his glory, he proclaimed himself as the Lord, the Lord that showed mercy to millions and thousands of people of the earth. He wants to show mercy. He's merciful. But he just wants men to change their heart. Now, God knows that you're not perfect. He's not waiting to hit you with a bolt of lightning every time you sin. He wants you to come to the acknowledgement of what you're wrong at. And he constantly works on you. You know, most of us are parents. We had children. Nobody, when they kids do something wrong, want to beat their kids to death. I mean, who's yeah. in the right mind with that to do? The way we love our kids, God loves us even more. He loves yeah. us. Man, when you think about for him to give his son to the world, to be beaten and murdered on a cross, that's love, y'all, for people who didn't want to eat? They didn't want to hear from Jesus. They hated him. He gave him to the world to be beaten for the world's sin. Folks, that's incredible love. Ask yourself the question, if you give your son, your only son, your heir, to a mean mob and let them beat him to death, you're not going to do that. If anything, we'll die for us. But God sent Jesus for the world. To reconcile the world back to himself. Folks, that's love. That's powerful. That's how much God loves you. That's how important you are to him. This is why he knows you're going to make it. He said, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, thoughts of good and not evil, and an expected end. The enemy want to wipe out the human race. But God always telling people, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, he said, come now, says the Lord. And let us reason. Though your sin be as scarlet, they should be as wool. You get what I'm saying? Listen, folks, God want to fix you up. He want to make you to the man or the woman that he destined for you to be. And this is why we talk about the mantle of change. There is a change that God want to put on people that when he brings them up, he's giving them a mantle. But their mantle is going to bring about a change. There's a lot of things that's going on out there in the world, but God wants to bring about a change in his people. Uh, and one of the things I love about Jonah was when he got messed up, he filled a little upset with God because he wanted God to deal with these folks. And we as people, sometimes we, we don't understand like God sees and understands things. When Jonah preached right. to those folks, they repented and sat cross and ashes. Even the animal went on the path. The animal on the path. Oh, they did it right, boy. My God. If we can get America to do that, what type of country will we have today? I'm telling you. 
United States need to go into a serious fast and repentance before God so he can bless us the right way. When you don't repent and you do things your own way, you bring judgment down on you closer and closer and closer. But when you repent and do right, judgment lifts up and it moves away from your house. It goes somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You see, what we open ourselves up to is what can come upon us. Don't you know the more Saul tried to kill David, the worse he got? Man, I'm telling you. So this is good stuff here, Ron, that you were talking about. Amen. There are a lot of mantle that people, God want to give people uh, a mantle, and that is something. There are many mantles that is, God has not released unto people that they want it, but they got to get it a place in order to receive it. And these mantles for the body of Christ and for the whole world to make a change about in the world. And he's looking for those. The Bible said that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose spirit and heart is looking towards him. So uh, Amen. one of the questions I want to ask you, Brian, what uh, made Jesus different than any other man? Though he seen Jesus, he walked around the miracle of Jesus, he sinned and he turned Jesus in, but he went and committed suicide. What made Judas different than any other character that we ever we read? And, folks, let me tell you something. Listen, there is a degree that you can get so far carried away by demonic forces that you commit suicide. Listen, right. Saul fell on his own sword. Mm-hmm. He hated David. And he kept trying to kill him. He pierced himself on his own sword. That's how he died. Judas turned in Christ and studied him repenting. He went and hung himself. Listen, man. And then there was a man who was working against David, one of David's friends who used to give him great counseling. Ron, you might know his name. I can't remember it right now. But when he was counseling Absalom how to kill David, he hung himself. There was something about when people... Get to a certain place, man, and if you're not careful, you can open yourself up to a suicide spirit. Right. You really got to be careful when you're dealing with God's people and repentance because God wants you to come to a repentance. He don't want you to commit suicide. But, Ron, right. you share with us about what do you think about Judas' mistake that he made, how he, he saw the miracle. He cast out devils with the other 70s. He yes, did everything he did. else everybody else was doing. Yes, he did. What made this man come to the conclusion that money was more important, and then when he realized what he did, he made penance. He did not repent. He made penance, right. Amen. He made, I'm glad you said that he made penance and not repentance. He was just sorry that he got caught. He wasn't sorry for what he did. He got sorry that he got caught. And Paul talks about that godly sorrow that leads to repentance and that worldly sorrow that he was just regretful. But listen, Jesus Christ said, have not I chosen you 12 and yet one of you is a devil? And so at some point, you know, there's a, there's a debate about this. At some point, and he said he stopped with them. He said the one that, 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 I, that, I, uh, that, that stops with me, he's the one that betrayed me. They didn't even know who it was because, like you said, up until that point, that's why it's important for us not to uh, try to judge who's saved and who's not saved. Because up until that point, G- Judas was one of them. They don't know. They say, is it I, Lord? Is it I, Lord? Is it I? 
Everybody, because they're all doing miracles. Like you said, they're all casting out devils. The Bible says, and Satan entered into Judas. And Jesus said, that which thou do, go do it quickly. You know what I mean? Of course, this stuff was written aforetime. In the Psalms, it, it, it was written that this man would do this, and he let his bishopric, his bishopric shall be empty, Acts chapter 1, and let, a man take, let another man take, sorry. And so Judas, by transgression, he fell headlong, his bowels gersh asunder. But the thing was, he was sorry, sorry that he got caught in the act. He wasn't sorry for what he did. And so, but like you said, though, the demons that speak to people's minds, the suicide, that's a devil. That's something that talks to you. That's not something you just get up and think about doing. That's something that talks to you over and over and over again. Even the psychiatrists will tell you. The, psych, the psychiatrists will tell you that, you know, they have, they have people that come in and say they hear voices. Well, those are spirits. You know what I mean? They, they, you can medicate people all you want, but those are spirits that talk to them. And so the difference between Judas and, and, and Peter, Peter was genuinely sorry. He was sorry for what he did. Judas was sorry that he got caught, and then he took everything into his own hands and said, oh, I'll fix this, you know what I mean? And he went and hung himself. But Peter was restored because he was sorry for what he did. That's why Jesus said, after he said, go tell Peter. That's where the rest, restoration comes in there, you know, go tell Peter, because Peter denied him too. He denied him a, a few times, three times he denied him. Now, I'm not him. He said, you're a Galilean. I know not the man. 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 So, but Peter, he didn't get to that point where he was going to kill himself because he was genuinely hurt. I'm not going to take this in my hand. Judas took this in his hands because, you know, Judas was a fraud, and at some point, Satan entered into Judas, and uh, that suicide spirit got in his brain, and he went and hung himself. And the Bible says that his bowels gushed out. So the difference between he, he was sorry, he was sorry that he got caught for what he did. He wasn't sorry for doing it. Amen. Listen, folks. Let me share this with you. When you that was some good stuff that got the written down. Uh, when I think about this particular thing right here, the book is Revelation. When we think about Revelation, we begin to see God. The book of Revelation means to unveil, to unveil, to pull back right. and unveiling what's going on. It's quite interesting to me that God starts off Revelation dealing with the churches, the seven churches. Now, this is awesome, y'all. It's so awesome. Because you have seven churches, but only two of them is in right standing. If you read how each one of the churches start off, it starts off right, but then you see Christ correcting it and rebuking the seven churches. Now, here it is. The churches, these seven churches did exist at one time. These churches were real churches at one time. But also, these churches represent the seven dispensations that the body of Christ would go through throughout time. Each one of those dispensations would take place in the body of Christ. But also, the seven churches represent every building that is a church all over the world. They are in one of those stages of those seven churches. Why? Right. You yeah. hear me? Right. <laughs> but also, the seven churches represent each one of us. 
We are in one of those stages of those seven churches. Think about that. We're either in Ephesus or Laodicea or Smyrna. We're in one of those stages of those churches. Or the stage of Philadelphia. We're in one of those stages. One of the homework that I would encourage you to do, because uh, we won't be back next Tuesday, but we'll be back Tuesday after that. It's bi-weekly Tuesday. We're here. Word of fire. Bi-weekly Tuesday. One of the things I would encourage you to do within that two-week period is you read about the seven churches and examine yourself. Be honest with yourself. Because if you look at these churches, all of them were doing what? The work of the Lord, so-called. But they all had different issues. They had different issues. You cannot look on the outward part of a person and, and see like they're doing everything right. But God is looking at the spirit that drives them, their motive. Ron talks about it just now, how spirits can lead people to commit suicide. Suicidal thoughts. Those are demons that can come and talk to you. And you got to know when they start talking, cast down imagination and every, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of the truth. You got to bring down those thoughts. Because if, they, if you don't bring them down, they will become strongholds. Strongholds. Right. And strongholds are mindsetting that you open yourself up to things that you can't seem to break. I can't stop smoking the marijuana. I can't stop smoking. Of the cigarette. I can't stop lusting after women. I can't stop indulging in fornicating. I can't stop allowing my pride to get the best of me. I can't stop being jealous of someone else. I can't stop drinking the liquor. All of these strongholds are mind-setting. And you will struggle in your life when God wants you to be victorious. He cleans you up to make you better. And when he delivers you, he brings you away from that lifestyle that you once embraced it, that you thought you could not live without. Amen. And that is the purpose of God. He wants to make and mold you to the image of his son because they are gifts that God wants to impart into you, great gifts, your ability. You might be one on this phone that God has given you the gift of healing, the work of miracles, the gift of discernment, the gift of laying on hands. The gift of what? Preaching to God, benevolent. Preaching the gospel. There are different gifts that God gives people to use them. And these gifts are displayed to help the body of Christ. You'll be surprised with this. It doesn't matter if nobody and your family never had the gift of healing. That doesn't mean anything at all. That doesn't mean anything. The thing is that God wants to give you the gift of healing. He wants to change your life. And I don't know if you're just tuning in or just hearing what we're saying. Today's topic, we were talking about the mantle of change. The mantle of change. And like we said earlier, the word mantle means a garment. And garment also means a cloth. And the word change means to make or to become different. To make or to become different. The Bible says, God said, a new heart also will I give them. A new spirit will I put within them. And I will take out the old heart of flesh. And I'll give them a new heart of flesh. The old stony heart. 
He give you a new heart of flesh. He wants to change you because it's something that you bring into this earth. I believe that everybody that's born, God gave them a purpose. I like what King David said when he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I should dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, do you believe that, that God can let goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life? The Bible says, when wisdom has entered into your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, distressing shall preserve you and understanding will keep you. The Bible said, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. Binding upon your neck, write it upon the table of your heart. For then shall you find good understanding and favor in the sight of God and also man. It's a change that he want to bring about in your life. But he can only bring it about when you come to him. There's a question that was asked in Psalm 15, who should stand in your holy temple? The Bible says he that has a clean hand and a pure heart. These are the people that God would have bring to will stand in God's temple one day before the presence of the Lord. Psalm chapter 15. You read that when you get a chance. A clean hand and a pure heart. He changes the spirit of man. That he might make them what he's calling them to be. Is there anything else, anybody else out there want to add something? Ron, whatever's on your heart, brother, just share with us some more things that's on your heart, brother. Amen, amen. Um, that's, that's definitely the will of God. One thing I like about Jesus Christ is he talked about the kingdom of God coming, you know, the Lord's prayer, we call it, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Wherever God's will is done, his kingdom has come. And where is the kingdom of God? Wherever Jesus is king, that's where the kingdom of God is. Of course, the kingdom of God is in heaven also. But he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is done perfectly in heaven, but it's done imperfectly on earth. So he says, on earth as it is in heaven. He wants it to be done perfectly done on earth because it's perfectly done in heaven. This is what makes Jesus Christ different from every human being as far as the will of God is concerned and it being done perfectly. Like I said, wherever God's will is done, his kingdom has come. Of course, we're looking for the millennial kingdom, and of course, we're looking to be in heaven in the kingdom of God. But wherever the kingdom of wherever the will of God is done, the kingdom is coming. Wherever Jesus Christ is king, that's where the kingdom of God is. Jesus Christ said the kingdom of God is within you. He says he says to them, he, he did it by announcing miracles. They said that they were doing this by he was doing it by bells above. He said, But if I do this in in the book of Luke, but I if I'm doing this by the finger of God, talk about the miracles, then the kingdom of God has come to you. He announced it with miracles. Then he said, the kingdom of God is within you, he told the disciples that. Which means wherever Jesus Christ is king, the kingdom of God is, is there. But what makes Jesus Christ different from every human being is that he can say this. He says, I always do that which is pleasing to my father. Jesus said that. 
He said, I always do that which is pleasing to my Father. No human being can ever say that they always do the will of God. He's the only one that can say that. Essentially, he's saying, I'm the only one. Essentially, Jesus Christ is the kingdom of God, and he does it perfectly. But no other man can make that claim, that they always, always do that which is pleasing to the Father. Jesus Christ did God's will perfectly at all times and in every place, and he always pleased God. But we, we can do it, but we'll do it imperfectly. I mean, we have our times where we walk with the Lord because we're frail. He remembers our frame that we are dust. That's why he says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's done perfectly in heaven, but it's done imperfectly on earth. But God wants to get us to that point where we're doing it as, as close to perfectly as possible. But Jesus Christ, that's what makes him different from us. He said, I always do that which is pleasing to my Father. Wow. You know, one of the things I love about Christ, he knew how to make good friends with sinners, man. I'm going to tell you something. You couldn't outbeat Jesus by making a friend with a sinner, man. The worst yeah. of mess was Jesus was going to be your boy. <laughs> you know how they say, ride or die, he was with you. He had your back. Let's deal with some of the things that has happened in the past when he said he always do that that pleases his father. Now, the father sent him down to die for sinners. That's God is. God took it up the whole earth through Jesus. Here is the agreement. He, God told Jesus what he wants to do. He's coming to die for the whole world. While he's on the earth, there's a woman who's caught in the very act of adultery. I mean, listen, man, according to the law, they got the killer. She got to be stoned to death. That was an ugly death to die. Jesus right. sits right there. They bring the woman to Jesus and said, Master, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. We got witnesses. You got to bring a witness when you're about to stone someone. He said, yeah. now the law and Moses said we should stone such a one. Two or three what witnesses. Did you say? <laughs> yeah, two or three witnesses. Now, if he had spoken against Moses, they were going to stone Jesus and her. If he had spoken against the law, they were going to stone Jesus and her. Right. He ignored them. He keeps writing on the ground and the dirt. And then when he does lift up his head, he says this. He that is without sin, that is among you, they got the stone. You go ahead on. You can cast the stone. <laughs> man, that was heavy, man. Yeah. Folks, let me tell you, that's heavy. Let me tell you, if you bring it up to this day and time, you think about somebody that's no good of no good of no good. Let's take it to the max. If it was someone that was killing kids or molesting little kids, and they brought him and said, this man got to be executed, and we want him dead yesterday. And the people that brought him there, they had sin too. And they brought him to Jesus. Now, Jesus could say anything, and that's it. Whatever he said, it goes. But if Jesus spared that man who was a child molester, he got to pay the price for what he did. But his sin will be forgiven him. Right. But because of what he did, according to the law of the land, he got to pay the price. Right. Do you have a problem with Jesus forgiving that man? Would you have a problem with Jesus forgiving Hitler? See, I'm going to tell you something, folks. When you're talking about Christ, 
God's mercy will send it about. The grace of God does much more about. It gets tight. It gets real tight. And so sometimes um, there are times when things had happened and your righteous indignation will rise up, like King David. We talked about that earlier. Oh, the yeah, man. The truly God. He's got to go. I'm taking him out at the beginning. Thou art the man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey, God, you said you're the one that did this, man. Can you imagine that hot air coming out that balloon? <laughs> right. Yep. Well, you know something about uh-huh. Go ahead. Go ahead, you know something, brother? And that's the difference between the gospel of Jesus Christ and religion. In certain religions, you know, there's not, not there's not that type of forgiveness, man. And man, man the men that are aren't that aren't saved, they think they can earn their salvation. In the world is about competition. Who's more righteous than the other? But all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is not, you know, the, the world likes to say, why does good things, why does bad things happen to good people? Well, here's the answer to that. There are no good people. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. The heart is desperately wicked. And that's the difference between the gospel of Jesus Christ and man's, um, man's religion, human religion. Hold on for a second, brother. There is some religion, oh, they're going to let God forgive you, all right, after they lay hands on you. And they'll tell you, man, in the next life, man, the Lord will forgive you in the next life. We're not giving you no mercy. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, man. The way things are, when we see how God is. I'm back. Okay, bro. It's not about that. Ask for mercy, man. Think about it. If they talked about killing you for something you did wrong, and you know you done wrong and all have done wrong, and you know people want God to kill you for your sin, but nobody wants God to kill them for their own sin. Small call. You don't see nobody come up saying, oh, kill me for my sin. They're not going to say that. Oh, no. Lord, forgive me and have mercy on me. Right. Listen, folks, the same way you want God to have mercy on you. You got to be merciful to other people. Right. Remember the beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If you want mercy to be extended to you, you got to have mercy on others. Yep. And that's one of the things, man, we can never forget. For if Amen. you won't forgive men their transgression that they have committed against you, Neither will your father forgive you your transgression that you committed against him. It's man, it's just scary. But people judge God. I, I don't think consciously we are aware that we judge people to death, and we go out and do the same thing that they do, or worse. Oh, we may not do that particular thing, but we do something else. But we want God to kill them, right? When they do wrong, but. Lord, have mercy on me when I do right. wrong. Right. Man, we got right. to examine and, ourselves, folks. Yeah. You can say something up, Or, uh, and I was about to say, you'll find, you'll, you'll find that a lot. A lot of times people, even even ministers, a lot of times people, they'll have mercy on those that are close to them. For example, 
um, let's say you, you know you have a, 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 a preacher preaching holiness, preaching righteousness, hardcore. You know what I mean? Which we should all do. But let's say somebody in this congregation is family member or his daughter or somebody gets pregnant and they're not married. Oh, you know, people make mistakes and, you know, you know, they're more, when someone is close to you, you're more inclined to be merciful and gracious and patient with. But somebody you don't know, they shouldn't have been fornicating. You know what I mean? Well, how do you get pregnant? You know what I mean? If you, you outside the will of God. You understand what I'm saying? You know what I mean? When people that's close to us, we're more lenient. But people that we don't know, we bring fire and brimstone, bring fire and brimstone down on them. <laughs> I'm telling you, you see something on the news that happens, and right. the people say, oh, that man that did that, they need to take him and turn him into a unit. Right. And if somebody in their kids, their family do that, they say, oh, no, don't kill my boy. Right, right. Have mercy right. on him, Your Honor. <laughs> but this is the way we have become, y'all. If you want mercy to be extended to you, you must extend it to others. Amen. And because if we're not careful, we can find ourselves operating in the uh, spirit of respectable person. Mm-hmm. I've been in my family. Man, there were days that I felt embarrassed being in my family. There was so much racketeering and confusion going on. Police coming to the house. Where I grew up at, brother cutting up, he don't got drunk and acting like a fool. Everybody know they go that by his family. I said, God help us, <laughs> help us. And I was in that house with him. I couldn't go nowhere. I'm in here with him. So whatever my brothers and them did, I'm caught up in the midst of it too. But that was the family that God allowed me to be born into, folks. Right. When you think of someone else, think about your family. Remember, they're your family. My sister's mad at me right now because she wants me to drop everything and run across town and where she's at and do whatever she asked me to do. And I said, I can't do that right now. And so she calls me and leaves me a dirty message. <laughs> but it's all good. I still love her, but I just right. can't drop everything and run across town and do what she needs to do. When she needs, I'm always there for her. But it's just sometimes I, I can't do it. I can't do it. So these are the things that we want to talk about as a reminder. Again, we dealt with the mantle of change. And when we started off, we came from Psalms, 53 Psalms. Uh, I think the first Psalm, I think it was, how David prayed our God to have mercy on him for what he had done. And everybody else, we established a different type of people battles with different things. One with David was lust. With King Saul, it was his pride. And with others, it's self-righteousness. So there are different type of battles that we have. None of us are the same. And as we get ready to bring it in for closing, is there anything else anyone else would like to share or say? If you do, just push um, star eight and just come on in. If there's something you might want to share with us or, or say anything, you're free to do so right now at this moment. If you want to just call if you're on the line, just hit star eight, and we will unmute you so that you can hear, we can hear whatever you want to say. There's no such thing as a dumb question. The dumb, only dumb question is the one that was never asked. Amen. Amen. 
Amen. So is there anyone else that want to say anything, you're free to do so at this moment if you want to just call in and say something. All right? Other than that, I want to turn it over to my buddy, Will. I thank you for your time. My time is rounding up. And so now I want to thank you too, Brother Ron, for calling in. Amen, Sometimes brother. Sometimes we have people no. just listening in. They may not say nothing, but a lot of right, listening right. in. And so, um, Will, are you there? Anything you want to say, Bubba? No, all I got to do is say this was an awesome message, awesome show, and I know a lot of people got blessed. All I want y'all to do is be encouraged for the mess that's going to be coming in the future. All we say is one accord, and don't be scared to talk about Jesus. Matter of fact, people, this is Sound City Radio, and always it's all about freedom of speech, freedom to grow, and freedom to learn and know. Welcome to Sound City Radio. (laughs) But all I want you to do is be real, be safe, and be ready. So before we fly, you got to call us. Let me see. Mm. Welcome to Water Fire. Come on in, call You're live, caller. That means you there. Yeah, there you go. That was you? Caller, okay. if you want to say anything, you're free to say something. Well, they must have technical difficulties. Well, back to what I was saying, people. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or even concerns, you can email me at DJ underscore chill at my.com. That is DJ underscore chill at my.com. And don't forget about On Point Radio tonight. Um, we're doing two stories of hip-hop. And one of the questions in mind that we're going to be talking about, and it's really a, a, a question. Um, the next discussion is burial or urn. In the lead of the violence in today's generation and the violent content in today's music, is it better to be buried or cremated? And we got to give condolences out to um, my partner, my homie, self-unknown and his family, for his little cousin, Tamir, who was only 13 years old, and he was shot nine times last night, mm. dying at the young tender age of 13. We're going to be discussing a lot, and hopefully a lot of parents who have children that's out there <clears throat> being free, free in the mind and free in their ways and don't even know which way to go, they can probably readjust, readjust their family-oriented lifestyle and stop being friends to their daggone children and be parents. Stop allowing the kids to be on Facebook and nobody knows their email passwords or nobody knows their passwords to anything because they feel as though they want to break their relationship with their child or they feel as though they don't want to break their friendship or I don't know, that trust, whatever it is, you have to be out of your mind because you was brought up when your parents was in your business. Maybe you wasn't. I don't know. But if you keep on allowing your child to grow up with no supervision, I guarantee you, you ain't going to like what's going to happen afterwards. But until then, um, that's tonight. Tomorrow we're going to have Mike Test Live, 
F5 with Prison Chinchilla, um, Natic, and myself, DJ Chill. But I call myself Will of God also. But until then, I just say the pin number for All Point Radio tonight is 143339-POUND. And we do something on All Point Radio every day at 9 o'clock p.m. All you got to do is pull up Sound City, I mean, pull up TalkShoe.com and pull up All Point underscore radio, and you can see all the different radio shows. And if you want to look at all the shows on Sound City Radio, just pull up TalkShoe.com and pull up Sound City Radio or Sound underscore City underscore radio. But back to you, Minister Calvin Myers. What a show, I tell you. Oh, wow. I mean, um, uh, it's just an honor in everything that we do. Uh, we, we really appreciate all of you who's out there who are listening in, who will support this thing. And uh, we just want you to just continue to tune in because this is what we do and this is who we are. And uh, may God's grace continue to cover you. I want to say this to you, what it says from the Old Testament, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you grace. Father, we thank you for all that you've done and how you bless this radio station. Thank you for Brother Will, Lord, who has opened a doorway so the spiritual word of your gospel can be put out there on display, on displayed so that people can hear it no matter where they're located at. God, we thank you for all who hear and listen in, people who I may send a text to from out of town, out of state, and they're just tuning in and hearing the word and just listening. God, we thank you for all the hearers, Lord. We pray, God, that you will bless your people like never before. Bless them with the wisdom they need, the understanding they may need, Lord. Bless Will and his family, God. God, I pray that no weapon will be formed against him, will prosper, God. Keep this mighty man in your hand. God, watch over him. We thank you for his heart, Lord, his humbleness that will allow us to get on the air, Lord. God, we just say that you would just continue to move by your spirit with all those that heard the word, bless their home, show them how to go into the word. Proverbs 11.30 said, The fruit of the righteous is the tree of life, and he that would have sold is wise. He's a wise man, God, because he's bringing everybody together on the table, ground zero level, to hear and to reason together and to talk and to discuss things about you and life in general. So we ask that you would bless Word of Fire, bless the church radio, just continue to move by your spirit and all these things you pray. Bless Brother Ron, who is a mighty man of God, and continue to bless all your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you. Grace and peace. God bless you. Amen. Well, people, you already know. Out in my mind, O-U-T spells out. But to spell it out in my mindset, O-U-T means obviously you talk. So to put something in front of that, I always say, who's out? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.